a long and terrible spring and summer of attempting to fill the void left by college football with the Lord, friends, family, uh, politics maybe, something like that. All that pretending's over. College football is back, and we're going to talk about all the Pac-12 games on this week's Eligible Receivers Podcast. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. I was I was getting there. Okay. Wait, is that what I do? Or wait, when do you say it? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but you have a little pause and then say hello, blog fans, and then you and then we do our like needed. I was I was I was right on the cusp. I'm leaving all of this in. Excellent. Okay. So, are, are you ready? Are you ready for my my part of the intro? I'm absolutely ready for it. All right. Hello, blog fans. You fucking crush it. I thought so. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is the Eligible Receivers Podcast with Warren and Eric. Uh, we are going to... Well, here's here's the conceit of the show. We review last week's Pac-12 action, of which there is none. We pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, of which there are like all 12 of them playing in 12 different games. Uh, so that's going to be most of the show this week. Uh, so I guess to start off real briefly regarding last week's Pac-12 action, we could reflect on last year's Pac-12 bowl season, uh, which I believe ended up 1-8. and eight. Yeah, I'd rather not. Yeah. Who won? Uh, wasn't wasn't you dub? It wasn't you dub. Let's try and guess without. <laughs> I'm I'm pulling it up right now. Stanford. Ooh, they're a good bet, but wrong. It mm. was the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Does that do anything for you? It doesn't. Was that Arizona then, or who was that? It was not. The defeated upon this tells you how important these bowl games are. The defeated, the vanquished foe was uh, Will Greer, who I think was hurt for this game, and his West Virginia team. Okay. It is Utah. Utah won. Kyle Whittingham wins bowl games. That's what he does. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Pac-12, I think UW had a nice win over Southern Miss in that Heart of Dallas Bowl not too long ago. (laughs) I I remember that. A.K.A. the Chris Peterson Bowl win. (laughs) I watched that. Uh, I watched that heart of Dallas Bowl in the heart of San Antonio, and my wife was like, "We're not that far. We can drive over there." And I was like, "Nah, that's all right." <laughs> I mean, isn't that that's fairly far, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, but when we live in Seattle, it's a lot farther from Seattle. When you're already in San Antonio and not really doing anything that day, yeah, you know, like it's a probably three hours. But I mean, we could have gone. And it was, I was like, nah, we're on the river walk. It's nice here. Let's stay. Yeah, that makes sense. What? I'm looking at these games. I don't even want to think about them. I don't even yeah, want to think about them. This. Why, why <laughs> did you go back this way? This was, this was, a, this was ill-advised from the start. Because that's what everybody's talking about with Pac-12. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, how are they going to rebound? And I'll this tell you- The 10th year that we are doing this podcast, I believe. And we start every year fresh and new, and it's great and exciting. And the first year we did this was 2008. University of Washington didn't win a single game. We don't think about and talk about that any more than we have to. Yeah, that's true. So, and so I say we are, from here forth, we are prospective in week one. It's all sunshine and butterflies as far as I know. 
as it relates to the Pac-12. Well, and and speaking of that, let's get things started with uh, Thursday night. We're going to be in Rice Eccles Stadium. Uh, and I've already forgotten how the Pac-12 did in bowls last year. All I know is Utah won. I'm assuming most of the other teams won, but Utah is going to host Weber State in a game with no line. Which is beautiful because Utah is going to win. They are. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I'm going to take them as well. I like Utah for this game. Here's So is it that Huntley guy back at quarterback for them? Yeah. Have you been watching those 12 best, uh, like, games of the year things on Pac-12 Network? I've been, like, watching them the last couple weeks. Uh, I watched them. I watched it once. Uh, I was just – how great was that UW win against Utah last year where uh, this it was like a video game ending where, like, UW was happy to go to overtime and then Whittingham called a timeout and then we were like, well, screw you. We're going to score then. Yeah, threw it. And our field goal kicker who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn stepped up and just yeah. calmly nailed like a 42-yarder to win it. They they uh, blindfolded him and spun him around on one of those bats before they sent him in there. It worked. Yeah, it worked. Uh, that was great. That was a great moment. Uh, so, yeah, we'll both take Utah on that one. Then we got San Diego State at Stanford. Stanford are 14.5-point favorites in this game. If I'm not mistaken, San Diego State won this game last year. Yeah, and, and Stanford's a 13th-ranked team. I mean, I know that they, they you have to assume going to – here's another thing about the beauty of this podcast is is you and I are, I would assume I, – I well, I apologize to you if this is not true. I am flying blind on these teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this right before we started. I was like, I've, I probably couldn't name five Pac-12 starting quarterbacks. Yeah, I am I – am, <laughs> I'll learn I, them. I grow into this podcast <laughs> as the season goes. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You just kind of get in, you get a feel for it. But yeah, you nobody can. It's it's August twenty eighth when we're recording this. How could you possibly know anything? Yeah, I'm like Stanford. I re- yeah, I know them. Yeah. Here's what yeah. The, here's the depth and breadth of my analysis. Bryce Love is a very very good running back. I bet they'll try and run him a lot. And San Diego State's running back plays for the Seahawks now, so that probably hurts their depth at that position. They did. I think they lost good running backs two years in a row because I think they had that Donnell Pumphrey who went to the Eagles two years ago who, like, set the rushing record. Yeah. And, and then Rashawn Penny. Penny right behind him. Yeah. So that – that I'm going to get wage they don't have a third one. And Stanford with its offensive line and the fact that they lost this game last year. And I, I kind of sneaky believe with not – any information to back this up, Stanford can't be as bad at quarterback as they were last year. They can't be. They just – there's no way. Like, they could have gone over to the – they can go over to the water polo team or, like, track and field. They can find a quarterback. It's, it's the or any of their ball. numerous excellent women's sports yeah. teams. Best, <laughs> best athletic department in the country, it, as as they'll tell you, off, early and often. Yeah. Uh, they win that Sears Cup or whatever all the time. There's, there's a six-foot-five <laughs> – you know, quarterback somewhere on that campus that's going to do a better job this this year for him. So, so give me stay. I'm I'm bullish on Stanford right now because as we as we know, it's all sunshine and butterflies for the Pac-12. As you know, as far as we can tell, it's all good. Uh, so, you know, I hate Stanford with a big line. I'm going to take San Diego State on this one. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's that's my feel on that. So I'm going to get that locked down. Next we have. Everybody's favorite week one game, the Rocky Mountain Showdown. I do love this game. Cam the Ram. I do love that. 
We've got uh, the Buffs coming back. Uh, Steven Montez back in action. Buffs, two years ago in the Pac-12 title game, graduated everybody. But flirted with bowl eligibility last year, but didn't quite make it. Uh, and, yeah, so we're going to see. You know you know, I'm a big Mac, uh, Mike McIntyre fan. Uh, yeah, Colorado State as seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Now, That's- the world just watched Colorado State play a football game because they were the first game of the season that was on TV last week. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't – my impression is that Hawaii's been, like, just kind of mediocre to terrible, right, For yeah. since, like, Timmy Chang graduated uh, or maybe Colt Brennan. I don't know which one of those was more recent. But yeah. – uh, they, uh, Hawaii could have scored 400 points in this game. I, d- I don't recall Colorado State getting a stop. They somehow did in the second half when I turned it off because they were kicking the shit out of Colorado State. But, uh, that was a woeful defense. And I'm offended on Colorado's behalf that they are underdogs in this game. And I'm going with the Buffs. I couldn't agree more. I watched that game with you, you know, or not with you, but, but right alongside, you know, it was the only thing that was on. And, and there's no way, right? I mean, Colorado State, you know, we both were excited about the K.J. Carter-Samuels, uh, you know, project, the, the grad transfer from UW who went, is the starting quarterback at Colorado State now. So was watching this game with, a, with an intent eye on how he looked. He looked okay. Uh, but, but, I mean, come on. They gave up so many yards and so many points to Hawaii, who was a big underdog in that game. And they're going to turn around, and they're going to be seven and a half point favorites in a neutral, you know, neutral field game to Colorado. I don't, I don't buy it. Here's what I'll say about KJ Carter Samuels because I really, I mostly watched the first half and then turned on for like the end of the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden Colorado State was moving the ball up and down the field. When the smoke cleared, he threw for 537 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He had a nice line, but I don't think he was the leading quarterback in the game in terms of yards. Yeah, it's just like like I I couldn't I couldn't believe how bad Colorado State looked. So I I, I don't know what do people think Colorado's going to do this year? Apparently, absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah, that would yeah that would certainly appear to be the case. I disagree. I'd say hammer the over of sixty five on that one. That's your. Charlie Samuels comfortably comfortably beat the Hawaii quarterback. Yeah, I was oh. going to say you can't throw for much more than five hundred thirty seven yards. There you go. That's like that's likely a school record. It was, yeah. Uh, next up, we'll skip down to oh, we'll go Oregon State going to Ohio State. Jonathan Smith's first game in charge of the Beavers. Nice soft landing for him. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what the? I mean, you do what you do to you know keep the paint fresh on your helmets, I guess. Man, this is a brutal game for Jonathan Smith. I mean, the line is the only thing that's going to give anybody pause here. And mm-hmm. obviously what's going on at Ohio State, there's a little bit of noise there. But, I mean, I wonder how long it was after Jonathan Smith accepted the job that he finally, you know, was like, hey, I wonder who our first game is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> probably, I might guess, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being naive. But, I mean, you know, you're, you're in the interview process, you're excited, you're you're talking about it, you know, like, I, I wonder if it just slips your mind, you know, what what's going on next year? You're probably not even thinking about it. You're living in the moment. But at some point in those first couple of days or right, you know, right when you're contemplating the job, you're, you're going to look at the schedule next year. And you're going to see that game and you're going to be like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he marched right into the athletic director's office. 
slapped the wood out of the mouth of the beaver wearing a suit that runs their athletic department and was like, no more of this garbage. What the hell are we trying to do here? 38-point line, though, that is significant. Yeah, this is going to really highlight the gross side of college football, too, because it's going to be if Ohio State's going to dominate whatever, you know, they're going to win by however many they want to, but it's going to be like spun as like the team coming together and overcoming the adversity of uh, their coach, you know, uh, run and cover for the domestic abuser guy. Yeah. Who who you got here? I'm, I'm, I, I got to take Ohio State just because I mean, Oregon State is woeful. And Ohio State just has such, a, I mean, such good athletes. Line's too big, dude. Line's too big. Beave me. It is. it is. That's a good pick. That's a smart pick. But I'm going to stick with it. Fine. My Ohio State. It's a smart pick until Ohio State somehow scores 30 points on their first two possessions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next one. Here's here's a game. Speaking of, another, another problem with the AD. Why is Washington State going to Wyoming? Why not, man? Like, why not? I like who pays who what in this, you know? They trade some cattle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a good old-fashioned barter and chattel. Yeah. yeah. So the Cougarinos are one-and-a-half-point favorites in this game uh, at altitude. Uh, I don't. Know. I mean, I guess give me WSU. I'll, I'll root for the root for the conference guys there in that one. I'm gonna take Wyoming. I, the, WSU comes out of the gates bad every year. They, you know, the standard procedure is to lose to an FCS team, um, like a Portland State or something along those lines. And it just feels, I don't know, it just feels bad to me. Or like Leach, you know, tried to jump ship last year. He's lost a bunch of coaches. You know, they, they have the unfortunate situation at quarterback. It sounds like Gardner Minshew might be the starting quarterback, but there's been no, you know, it's just. Is that that guy from the East Carolina guy? Yeah, I think so. What edge uh, did he get from having his prior mascot be a pirate? I don't know. It's, that's a good question, actually. It's 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 an angle that should be explored okay. in more detail in future podcasts. Um, there's nothing good going on with their program right now. You know what I mean? I don't think there's just no juice. Like, I think anybody who's like a, a diehard WSU fan, and I, I follow quite a few of those on Twitter, um, you know, feel like it's a six win season is like, it would be a good outcome. And that to me just doesn't feel great. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Wyoming. I think so. I'm, I'm, in, I'm really just curious to see because you know, the Mike Leach deal is at Texas tech is that he was able to string together mediocre to to like sort of decent teams, you know? Yeah. Uh, and this, I'd be really impressed if he got them to bowl eligibility this year. He certainly has shown he can do it. So yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's a that's a good year for them right now. It's, yeah, it's wins. Yeah, know? I agree with that. All right, next up we got UNLV uh, traveling to USC. USC twenty six and a half point favorites. USC. I think there was a lot of drama in Pac twelve circles about who they were going to name their starting quarterback. They're going with the true freshman J T Daniels. Who vows yeah, he, he vows to breathe and stay calm. Good plans. Big line for a true freshman quarterback, um, and what I assume is going to be a very conservative uh, game plan. You got to wonder if UNLV is going to be able to score any points whatsoever, though, on that defense. 
Yeah, I mean, this is going to be like that Ohio State game, just an utter walk in the park. I I think this line is closer to right, though. So I'll I'll take USC. Okay, I'll take the Trojans in this as well. All right, next up, we got the game that put Justin Wilcox on the map, map when they traveled to North Carolina last year. It's the return fixture. North Carolina travels to Cal. Cal are seven-point favorites in this game. Uh, who's their quarterback? Ross Bauer, something like that. The kid, he's a local guy, a kid from over here in Washington. Awful kid, yeah. And, I mean, for my money, Justin Wilcox had a great year last year as, as a first-year head coach. They had no expectations. They started, you know, to talk about another, you know, his first game wasn't wasn't quite as bad as traveling to the horseshoe. But, I mean, you know, on the East Coast, at North Carolina, you know, it, that's a bummer of a first game, three time zones away. And they go and win it. Um, that, you know, I, I was very bullish on how on how well he did as a first-year head coach. And so I, I believe, you know, based on what he showed last year, that they, they may continue to improve. I like I like his staff. I think he's got – Marcus Tuyasasopo on staff, and, and you know, they, they may get a roll a little bit. They still have a talent deficiency, but I'm, I'm on Cal in this game. Yeah, I mean, Cal's like, you know, a team that can definitely get going. They've had elite guys. You know, in that peak of that Tedford era, they were, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's compared well to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, two of the best players in the NFL in the past decade, Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean. That's right. Hard pressed to do better than that in terms of a, of a marquee quarterback and a marquee running back carrying the flag for your program. Yeah, and Deshaun Jackson, no slouch. Yeah, not bad either. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Tony, what was it, Tony Gonzalez at tight end? Like, yeah, they got, they got, the all-time they, Cal team's decent. They get some players. Like, yeah. That's, that's going to be a tough team to beat on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Cincinnati going to UCLA in a game with no line. I, I can only assume that one of these teams or both of them potentially haven't named a quarterback yet in this game uh so i don't know i mean i'll give me ucla to take it i'm excited to watch what ucla does to see uh what's the same as what chip kelly had going at oregon and what's different i'm gonna take cincinnati for no other reason than i believe chip kelly's first game as the head coach of oregon was the game that he went to boise state and lost to peterson i remember that and the garrett blanc punched that guy yeah (laughs) Uh, and so, you know, it seems like that's Chip Kelly's deal. So I, you know, that I'd watched that one game once years ago and now it's, that's how I believe it's going to go again. That's fair. I have nothing else to offer and I have no idea who their quarterback is or how, how I do know that Chip Kelly's system, you know, took Oregon a little bit, you know, took them a minute to pick it up. And then once they got it, they were good. But, um, I have to imagine when, when it's real bullets coming at the UCLA team, it's going to be a little bit of a different animal and, and Cincinnati's always kind of like sneaky good. Um, yeah, those so, those Brian Kelly Cincinnati teams were fantastic. Yeah, so I, I I'll take Cincinnati with the expectation that UCLA will drastically improve throughout the course of the season. Okay. Uh, next up, we got Bowling Green. The MAC is traveling to Otson, uh, where the Oregon Ducks are thirty-three point home favorites in this game. Uh, first you know, full game in charge since he's been named full head coach for Mario Cristobal. I guess he lost that bowl game last year, but now he's that, that was enough for them to hand him the keys. Uh, and you got the air bear 
Justin Herbert is healthy and they're ready to go. They're, I mean, Heisman favorite at this point. Um, according to who, you know, Oregon had just absolutely coming off a off season national championship. I mean, that the the PR machine is in full swing for them. Um, with Crystal Ball, he's recruiting really well right now, and yeah, Herbert has got crazy hype in in Heisman circles, and I mean, he's you know, significantly ranked significantly higher as a quarterback than like, you know, Jake Browning, who's got over 30 wins as a starting quarterback in the conference. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, good, good for, good for him, I guess. And this is, this certainly isn't going to be a game that challenges him. So, I mean, I, I, I believe Oregon will win this game by a whole lot. So I'll, I'll take the ducks. I'll take the ducks on that one too. I, uh, We'll see, I guess, with uh, the Air Bear, but uh, the vibe I get thus far from him reminds me of when Jake Locker was at Washington, when we just so desperately needed a superhero to come in and save us, you know? And Locker was a Heisman guy the entire time during the preseason when he was at our school, after his first year, right? He was in the on that list, and he just... And then he was like a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, and then he, yeah, he was like a pretty good quarterback. Worse worse than Keith Price at the end of the day in my estimation by no small amount. But uh but like fine, you know. But I'm kind of like I I feel like I see some of the same things where Oregon has talked themselves into Justin Herbert being absolutely elite by like a little too much. He's from what I've seen, he's fine, you know? Like yeah. he, he's he's I ab- back and looked in two seasons as a starter, you know, he he had he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year two years ago. They had that uh, grad transfer. Broke um, broke up. Yeah, and, uh, and and then he missed some games last year with an injury. So two seasons, um, a, a significant playing time. More more like one season of full um, of full game. You know, uh, statistics. It his best win is is certainly. Uh, 2016 at Utah, which is a good win. They won that game 30 to 28. Kind of a crazy ending to that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, last year they beat Arizona. I think that was probably the best win for the game that he played in. Um, he he lost Royce Freeman, which I mean I, that is a huge deal in in my estimation. And I I, I mean the replacement Tony Brooks James and and others. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they seem There's, like yeah, they're these they're guys, good players, but they're like guys. And Royce Freeman was like in the LaMichael James conversation in terms of Oregon running back pedigree. And the guys this season are not in that conversation. It just seems like a big safety valve that's gone to me. And so I, I, I totally believe that Herbert's a pretty, like a pretty good quarterback. I, I just don't see him as a like elite, elite quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that, and 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 that's not to say I think Jake Browning is the world's greatest quarterback. I just think that like, yeah, I just I just need to see more, and it's possible that he does it and you know blows everybody away. But I think the hype train is you know going full steam. Maybe uh, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, and yeah, and regarding those running backs, it, it, it you know more so or I guess in addition to Royce Freeman's incredible ability to run the ball, the what made him so dangerous and was kind of the physicality he added to that Oregon offense. These other running backs they have from what I've seen are like guys who have like Todd Pinkston legs, who was this old receiving receiver for the Eagles way back in the early two thousands, who just had like a couple of toothpicks. He was running around and he was fast as all get out, 
but like there was, you just can't drive when you're built like that. You know, once you hit something like, yeah, well, Oregon's always sort of had that thunder and lightning, you know, the big, the big back, the LeGarrette Blunt's a good example of that. Yeah. Um, and then they've had the sort of the scat, the Darren Thomas, or the, or the what's the, who's the return guy? Um, uh, D'Anthony Thomas? D'Anthony Thomas, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've always had that, but this year it seems like they're lacking in the big, sort of the bruising running back. So we'll see. I mean, that having having Royce Freeman behind you is, is a hell of a safety blanket. Um, and so we'll see how it goes without him. I mean, it certainly isn't going to impact him in the non-conference. They've got the easiest non-conference schedule in the country, so... Yeah, for me, they're in the cycle where they're trying to, you know, changing coaches pretty frequently, and the uh, the the past incredible success they had is still so recent that they feel like they can reach out and touch it and almost will it back into existence. And just in in my experience, being a Washington fan, uh, a, a lot of things happen to happen for that to start going again. And so yeah. I, I'm not convinced that this is ready to start happening for Oregon. Yep, I yeah. agree. All right. Uh, next up, we got UTSA traveling to Arizona State where the Sun Devils under college football coach in 2018, Herman Edwards, are 18.5-point favorites. I don't know what UT San Antonio's mascot is, but I feel like they gave somebody a game last year, and uh, this line is way too high for me, UTSA. <laughs> Yeah, it looks to be it appears to be the Baltimore Raven, um, which to me suggests they're a good team. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, and that's the, that's the end of what I know about that. Um, I believe I think I think they like beat Arizona or stayed inside the line against Arizona last year or something like that. And I want to say that my mom is like some form of an alumni. <laughs> I love it. We certainly lived in San Antonio for six years during my childhood. And in addition to, you know, Indiana and Columbia Law School, and I believe the University of the Philippines, where she got a master at something, um, I think she went to UTSA. So that's enough for me um, to uh, to take them to uh, cover in this game. I'm just still not convinced Herm Edwards knows where he is or what the rules are for this game. No, for sure he doesn't, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> he's, he's a leader of men, you know. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, uh, he's like, if you get like, he, he's, if you like put too much faith in like a Ted talk, you know, it's like, yeah. take what you can from it, but you're going to need more. Yeah. It's actually, yeah. You, you can't, <laughs> you can't listen to the Ted talks on entrepreneurialism and start a business the next day. <laughs> yeah. And like expect that to carry you across the line to a million dollars, you know, with, with a 20% margin and good net income. Like it's not going to work. Like that. There's a lot more behind it, but but he is an excellent TED Talk waiting to happen at all times. Yeah, he's certainly there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, Maybe. I don't even know that he's there. Yeah. How, how often is he there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm God, I hope they have cameras in that locker room. I'll, I hope they do, that they get a lot of the drive action on Pac-12 Network this year. I want to know. Oh, I, t- I totally want to know. I remember that from last year. You brought up when he saw the... Somebody gave him an Arizona State uniform and he couldn't believe how small the uniforms were. He yeah. was like, is this for a kid? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. God bless him, man. Yeah. Uh, man. One of the college kids that you coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, next up, we have BYU traveling to Arizona where Arizona are 11 and a half point favorites. Arizona, new head coach, Kevin Sumlin. 
uh, Arizona uh, liked the second half of the season so much that they're going to let Khalil Tate do the whole thing this year. Uh, Khalil Tate is the best uh, player to watch in college football for my money, if not just the best player, period. Uh, Easy Arizona for me. Yeah, easily. And I believe BYU is starting Taylor Mangum at quarterback, which I – I mean, that guy has been around there for so long, and he that is not an exciting selection for them at quarterback. So definitely Arizona for my money. Yeah, I, I was talking with a BYU guy uh, at work recently in the lounge there, and he was – we were – I was asking him, what in God's name happened? Like, all BYU used to do was throw the ball everywhere, all over the field and crush – you know, like they were a great team for a long time. How do you get away from that? From being like the school where uh, we're going to get NFL quarterbacks to come in here and throw for 3,000, 4,000 yards. And like, and then they're just like, we're turning into a running team somehow. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, it was a, it was a dumb idea. But anyway, yeah. Okay, and then lastly, that brings us to the game of the week. Uh, up there with the games of all of non-conference football for this season. University of Washington are playing Auburn in a neutral site. Uh, significantly closer to Auburn than Washington, where your Auburn Tigers are a one and a half point favorite against Washington. So we can dispense with the picks and maybe talk about the game because I think, as per rule, we'll be taking Washington. That is the rule, and so yes, we will be taking Washington. Um, the interesting game to me. It's not a game that in our Washington lifetime fandom, not counting, notwithstanding undergrad, because in undergrad we did win these games. Um, we beat Michigan and Miami. Yeah. Um, so, so we actually did win big games early when we were an undergrad. Since that time, we have not. And you travel across the country. I don't like that. No. Nope. And defensive line is is terrifying. So that's no good. Um, Trey Adams in to start. Pretty yeah, two deeps today. Redshirt freshman at right guard, uh, Jackson Kirkland. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I I am I'm very interested to see the line of scrimmage when Washington is on offense. I I'm very very bullish on the Bush Hamden hire. Um, yes, yes, me as well. Fantastic, you know, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. I think mm-hmm. that is gonna, that is going to help Jake Brown immensely. Um, I, I believe there's plenty of talent at wide receiver, albeit unproven talent. You know, they've been bringing in great recruiting classes at, at wide receiver for a couple of years. Um, and so it's not Dante Pettis and it's not John Ross anymore, but there's good players there. Um, and Ty Jones, I think, is sort of the leading candidate to kind of be the breakout there. Um, He's the guy they need if they're trying to get all the way to where they want to go. Absolutely. And, and with – you know, with Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed, they have two of the most dynamic running backs, you know, a running back combination in the nation. I don't know how many teams have that luxury of, the, you know, two running backs that are that good. Um, I'm just super excited for the for Washington's offense versus Auburn's defense. I think that's going to be such a good matchup. Um, I have I'm, – I'm fully to the point where I'm not worried about Washington's defense anymore. Yeah. I'm just not worried about it. Yeah. They, yeah, which is like the surest sign we're about to ship forty points. But I, but I agree with you. I think like to me, twenty points wins the game if you can get there. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, with our defense, we're in with the puncher's chance. Uh, 
there there's a legitimate chance that on our in our secondary if you look at the two deeps all eight players will play in the nfl which is obscene and considering the the four guys before them all went to the nfl (laughs) and a couple of the guys who aren't in the two deeps are are potential nfl players um and big time major recruits who are just stuck behind other first. I mean, from a secondary standpoint, it's almost, it's almost absurd. Um, it's ridiculous. It's just just that the the defensive line is good, but, but whether or not it's great is yet to be determined with Greg Gaines and Jalen Johnson. And then, and then the linebacking core having to restock with Velasa Bieria and and Azim Victor. Yeah. Uh, Although Victor was sort of a non-factor last year, but he was a good player for a long time. Yeah. Um, at UW, that that to me is the the front seven is 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 where it's all at, and at UW that's really the front like six, um, and that's going to be really interesting. I'm I'm very confident they're going to be good because that's just what Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake do, um, and the secondary looks almost unfair, which is fun. Uh, but I'll be interested to see if the defensive line and the linebackers can be disrupted. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm interested to see what type of, uh, steps forward Ben Burkirvin has made because the impression I've always got from him so far is that this, this is probably fraught because this is like the typical thing you say about white players is that he's like a try hard guy, you know? Uh, and I've always gotten the impression of him as being like, like a good Boise state linebacker, you know, but like when it's, uh, push comes to shove in a big boy game. There's just not enough of him uh, to really affect things, you know? And then like in a game against most of our opponents our lesser opponents, you know, he'll get his 10 tackles and be everywhere on the field and be an excellent player. I'm worried about him getting eaten alive against the kind of first rate talent that Auburn's going to bring. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I'd be interested to see how big of a role he plays, to be honest. I think they kind of saw that last year. Um, a little bit. I, I would expect him to rotate frequently. Um, and there's good players there. They're just, you know, and again, I, I'm completely confident in Kwiatkowski. You just haven't seen it yet. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm very excited. Historically, in the last decade, you know, 15 years of our lives, this is not a game that University of Washington wins. Um, but they certainly have the horses to hang with Auburn. Auburn's got four new faces on the offensive line. They have a fantastic quarterback, really good receiving core. Uh, which kind of plays right into Washington's strength. Um, Auburn's replacing really good running backs, as they always seem to be, because they churn out fantastic NFL running backs and have for a long time. Um, so you have to assume that whoever's going to be getting the rock for them is extremely talented. Um, but, yeah, I'm fired up, man. Yeah, me too. The, the other thing I was thinking about going into this game is that Auburn's always struck me as like a like of the SEC teams, kind of like the screw-up program where I'm scared of Auburn when it's November and they have three losses, you know, and they aren't, they don't really have anything anymore to be playing for. And then all of a sudden their, their talent is, you know, has shed the burden of expectation and then they just jump up and beat Alabama, you know? Yeah. I like, think that's right. Yeah. I I have them as like growers as the season progresses. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I definitely give the coaching edge to Chris Peterson in terms of, having his team prepared. It's just a question of whether physically Washington's going to be able to deal with it. Yeah. And, and Washington, it's a super interesting, um, you know, you read all the preseason stuff and, and it seems to be a really even split in the national media who covers college football 
as to whether or not Auburn's a dark horse to win the national championship or whether or not they're overrated because of all the talent they lost last year. I've seen I've seen both. I've seen them like most, you know, team most likely to, you know, fail, you know, fail to meet expectations. Several national writers in our panel say, oh, Auburn's that team. And then you, I've also seen, you know, Dark Horse, you know, Heisman, you know, Stidham for Heisman and Dark Horse national title contenders. You know, I've seen a couple of folks suggest Auburn as a possibility. And each of their arguments seems equally credible. So it's it's interesting that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. I think with Washington, you know, Chris Peterson is going to have the team ready. I, I just I'm interested to see what Auburn you know brings out of the tunnel other than a lot of talent. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it should be great. I'm looking forward to watching it. Looking forward to uh, have my kids uh, watch dad yell at the TV and try and figure out why that's happening. Absolutely. 1230 kick. So they're going to be awake and, and fully engaged in watching you, you know, lose your mind. Yep. And I'm going to do it. All righty. Uh, that does it for this episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We'll be back here next week. 